Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio today. My name is Kevin Perridge, and I'll be your host. Being a bivocational pastor has its challenges, even more so in starting a new church plant. Our guest today is Joel Kirk. He is the pastor of Real Life Church in Bristol, Tennessee. Joel, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me on. Well, Joel, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am turning 40 in just a couple of days. All right. I know I don't look like it. Uh, at least that's what people tell me. Uh, I definitely don't dress like I'm turning 40, but um, getting ready to reach that milestone. I am married to an awesome, beautiful woman named Angela. Uh, we've been married for 17 years. We met for the first time yes. at Outback Camp awesome. or at Camp Carson. Yeah. Uh, we didn't like each other then. <laughs> we were teenagers yeah. and... Uh, but that was the first time we met, and then we met again uh, later on. Uh, we've been married for, I think I already said this, 17 years. Been together for 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been an incredible ride of watching God use us in ministry and um, even in our brokenness, even in, in all of our mistakes, God has still used us in some great ways. Right. We have no kids, yeah. but we have two Great Danes okay. who are just like our kids. Right. Well, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit about uh, what led you to start Real Life Church. My background is in 1996, uh, I met Jesus at 16 years old at Camp Carson at, mm-hmm. a, at a camp called Outback Camp that uh-huh. used your facility. After that, I was just sent on a journey of finding my purpose in God. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, it was in music, writing songs, performing. Uh, I met my wife the second time yeah. uh, when I was performing in Raleigh, North Carolina with with my band. And so uh, for many years, I pursued that, uh, got some opportunities to be a worship pastor or worship leader at um, a couple different churches ranging from 3,000 members to 500 members. And uh, so I pursued that for a long time. Uh, Went to the Knoxville area, helped start a church as the worship pastor. Um, Before that, I helped start a church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and was the worship pastor there as well. And then um, went through a period of time in 2011 where I stepped away from ministry and even the church for a while, Mm -hmm. Um, went through some really hard personal things and uh, had to really come back to why do I believe what I believe? Why do I go to church in the first place? Is Mm -hmm. it because of my parents? Is it because of this or that? Uh, And so my wife and I wound up finding a church called Faith Promise Church in Knoxville where we really got healed we healed up from some of the personal um, difficulties that we'd been going through. Um, they lifted us up, put us back uh, on stage, both of us as worship leaders, and got mm-hmm. opportunities to to get back in the music there. Right. And um, because of a series of job losses and stuff, we moved back home, which is here right. uh, in Bristol, Tennessee. And uh, the one word we had from God was repositioning. Mm-hmm. 
we felt like he was repositioning. Now we thought it was going to be a taco truck because yeah. <laughs> I had I had been running a taco shop at a college in the Knoxville area, and uh, that was not it. We we pursued that a few times, got hooked up with some people that I thought were going to be partners, but God just kept closing doors. Right. And um, I went back into music, and this is an important part of the story. I went back into music with a songwriting partner that I had actually been on staff at a church with in the past. Mm-hmm. And this was not a Christian endeavor. This was a, um, it wasn't bad music, but it wasn't glorifying God. Right. And uh, our whole goal was to write songs, sell them, and maybe one day win a Grammy. I mean, that was just kind of like yeah. our goal. We started pursuing that, writing these songs, and they were they were family friendly songs and stuff. And and we started playing music out in some local bars and stuff. And and I'd always been using my gift for God, and I'd always promised God I would do that. But here I was using my gift for my own benefit and yeah. for for myself. Yeah. And I just remember God saying to me one night, "If you only had a couple years left to live." Are you going to invest in yourself or are you going to invest in the kingdom? And man, that that wrecked me. And man, I just started, I realized, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to spend the rest of my life investing in the kingdom and not in building wealth for myself or trying to get success for myself. And so that was kind of the turning point. I quit the band and upset a few people when I did that. And uh, that was kind of hard to work through. Um, but I said, all right, God, I'm ready yeah. um, to do this. And I was helping lead worship at a Celebrate Recovery. I don't know if you've ever heard of Celebrate mm-hmm. Recovery. Yeah. And there was an older gentleman there that I really respected. I've known him for years. He's one of my board members at the church here. Mm-hmm. He came up to me and he said, Joel, he said, um, he said, every time you speak between songs, God just pierces my heart. And he said, man, you got to understand, I, I've been in ministry for 30 years mm-hmm. and nobody speaks to my heart quite like you do. And he said, uh, I got a question for you. He said, every time you pray, you ask God to settle your restless heart. Mm-hmm. He said, have you ever asked why your heart's so restless in the first place? And I said, no, I have not. And he said, is it possible that you're not doing what God wants you to do? And man, I got mad. I got ticked because I knew because my whole life, I kind of thought it was people calling me to be a pastor, but my whole life people have been uh, saying to me, we believe you're going to preach one day. We believe you're going to preach the word of God. And and there was this little old lady at Faith Promise who used to say, baby boy, you're going to preach one day. And I'd be like, baby girl, no, I'm not, (laughs) you know. And uh, when he asked me that, I was mad. And, you know, I was like, "How, how does he have any right to question my calling. And the reason I got mad is because a lot of times when people hit something, hit a nail on the head, it's already something God's been dealing with you with. Mm -hmm. And that's why you get mad because you're not surrendered to it. After praying about it and being angry about it, uh, I surrendered to God. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, God, you know what? If you want me to preach, I'll do it, but you got a problem. Nobody's going to let me do it. (laughs) And so for three years, there was no opportunity And then I got an opportunity to uh, help start another church right here in the area. I was going to be the worship pastor. And uh, we we did that for a little over a year. And I remember around December, the pastor who was was leading that church said, why don't you speak for me? And I said, no. 
<laughs> you know, and first time I said no. Second time he asked, I ignored him. Yeah. Third time he asked, I finally said, all right, my gosh, I'll do it. I'll, you know, I never wanted to write a sermon. Right. Never wanted to be that guy that had to study like that. But honestly, as a worship leader, you should be studying and, and right. getting your heart ready for God, too. So uh, I preached my first sermon, and it wasn't that bad. You yeah. know, I was like, okay, this isn't the worst thing in the world. And uh, he asked me to do it again, and I said, okay. And I did terrible, I felt like. The yeah. second time was just awful. But um, that was kind of God giving, pushing me towards this. Um, that pastor decided to end that ministry. Uh, it's very hard to start a church from nothing yeah. and, and keep it going. And uh, that was kind of the beginning. A few of those people that were a part of that um, helped us start Real Life Church. But part of Real Life Church and part of why we're doing what we do is um, the way that I define vision. Vision to me is when frustration for what is becomes a passion for what could be. And I was frustrated with the way I grew up in church and how once I became a 20-something, I had no place in my church. I had a place in my youth group. I was leading worship. I was serving. I was doing all this stuff for the young adult ministry. But Sunday mornings, there was no place for somebody like me. I began to imagine a church that would use people like me right. and would give a person. Like, and I've always been, you can't see me because it's a podcast, but I look a little wild. I've got a long <laughs> beard. I, I, you know, I, I was telling a guy the other night, I'm a traditional pastor. I just do it with holes in my jeans, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, it, it's because uh, I, I kind of old school preach, but I do it the way I feel comfortable. I remember I almost got fired from a church for dyeing my hair purple once. So I've always kind of been on the outside of the way you should look. Right. Um, so I just started imagining what what if there was a church that if you had tattoos all over you, but God had wrecked your life, there was a place for you on stage or there was a place for you to serve. So that's kind of you know where we are. Yeah, well, that's neat. Well, so you were kind of uh, expressing your the vision for the church. So ultimately your passion, your passion is for people. For the lost, did you start the church thinking I'm going to reach a certain people group? Well, it's kind of funny you ask that, and and I tell my church all the time, my passion is your potential, mm -hmm. and I've always been like that. When I was uh, when I started my band as a as a young man, I didn't get the best musicians. I got the people who could could be the best musicians, and I even remember one time one of my many drummers. People would say he's not that good. Why are you using him? And I'm like. Because he can be. Yeah. I see him for who he could be, right. not for what he is right now. Right. And so that's something that I, I believe Joel Rayburn, my youth minister, put birthed into me right. was um, having a passion for someone's potential. Because Joel, <laughs> who ha shares the same name as I do, mm -hmm. had a passion for my potential right. and believed in me and, yeah. and believed God could do something with me. And so when we started this church... Yes, here's what I thought. Because I look so wild and because our music is so loud and, and modern, I really thought that we were going to reach unchurched people mm -hmm. and we were just going to see salvations and it was just going to be this, you know, this yeah. incredible time of bringing in uh, and building up new believers. But what we've attracted more of 
is people who had given up on church, mm. given up on God. Yeah. Uh, one of our sound people um, before coming here hadn't been in church in 10 years. Mm. Multiple families in our church have that story. Five years absence from the church, 10 years absence from the church. There's even some people who had been out of church for over 20 years. Wow. And they had given up for one reason or another on church and God, and um, they have found their way here and they're finding purpose here and they're serving here. There, Some of them are a little rough around the edges, just mm-hmm. like me. We're trying to get better together. We believe right. life is better together. Right. And so we, we disciple each other in God and in his word. And one of the things that is important to me is that we don't judge people based on their past, but we help them get to their future. And one of the things that I always say to my church is this, I don't want you to come here and change us. We don't want to change you, but we need Jesus to change us all. Right. Because if I change you, I'm probably going to change you into something you don't need to be. But Jesus needs to change every single one of us. And right. so that, that's kind of what we pursue. And also, when we're getting these people who'd given up on church for one reason or another, there's a lot of baggage there. Mm-hmm. I've had some people literally say, oh, this, you know, we're never going to have problems at this church. And I'm like, yeah, we are. You're here. <laughs> you know, that alone, yeah. you and me, we're going to cause problems. Right. But something that God really laid on my heart a few months ago was uncommon unity, mm-hmm. that we're going to fight for uncommon unity. That doesn't mean that you're not going to offend me or I'm not going to offend you, but that we're going to fight for that unity and we're not going to let the enemy get in here and just rip us apart because of our pride, because of our hurt or whatever. Uh, And there's been times I've had to get on my knees and apologize to people uh, for hurting them, but that's part of uncommon unity. That's what we're fighting for. I want to back up because you made a statement. You were talking about how your youth pastor of course, I, I knew your youth pastor. He's right. a pastor now. And I think that's important for people to realize is that pastors, especially youth pastors, pour themselves into those youth. And I think you're the prime example of taking your time to pour yourself into your youth. Then God is able to use those because it just begins Absolutely. to open new doors because of that time of discipleship and just uh, uh, helping direct them toward God makes a difference, doesn't right. it? Yeah, and well, actually, his brother is a pastor, but he's on staff at a church. So his brother was the youth minister just before I got there. It is because of their ministry that Real Life Church exists today. Yeah, and I realized that I didn't realize that for a long time. And a few a few weeks ago, I got on Facebook and uh, just asked people who in your life connected you to God, and because of them, you're serving today. Yeah. And I listed a whole, actually, a whole list of people yeah. that uh, along my journey have made it possible for me to be here. But if it weren't for Bethel View Baptist and Camp Carson, Real Life Church wouldn't exist today. Mm-hmm. Well, now you've been in the ministry a number of years, so you've seen how things are changing. Can you see that ministry trending in a different way now than it used to be? Well, there's some good ways and not so good ways that ministry's trending. We've been interviewed a lot by the local newspaper here. I've not asked them to do it one time, but they keep coming and writing stories on us. Hmm. And um, the guy who does it is an interesting guy, man. His name is Tom. Tom writes rock and roll, so he covers rock bands yeah. and churches. <laughs> and I think it's just kind of funny. But when he first came to us, 
He said, you know, from the outside looking in, you would think that you guys are very liberal in your theology, liberal in, in the way you do church. He said, but you're liberal in the look. He said, but you're about as old school as they come. And he said, that that was really shocking to me that you guys are um, pretty, very conservative in your in your belief system. And I said, yeah, I, I don't know how controversial we can get, but, yeah. um, you know, I tell you, one of the things that we face constantly is the the demand to affirm alternative lifestyles. We just can't do that. Right. And, and I've often wondered how the church in America is going to come under persecution. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as a kid growing up in a free world mm-hmm. and the church was, was so um, influential at one time in America, like you would think there's no way we'll ever come, come under persecution. But it's beginning to start. And I really believe it's going to be over social issues mm-hmm. and sexual issues. And uh, the hardest thing in the world is to look at a person who has allowed the enemy to lie to them and to tell them that they are one thing when they're really another. And to say to them, hey, uh, here's what we tell people all the time. Anybody's welcome to come worship at Real Life Church and connect with God. Because what we hope is sitting under our teaching, sitting in our worship, being in the presence of God, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or you're going to leave him. You you will walk away. You're not going to stay. Um, But the hardest thing in the world is to look at somebody and go, look, it's not okay where you're at. And, and, and and, And it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. So we all come here. We all come here broken, mm-hmm. but we all need to let God fix our life and, and change our hearts. But the, so many people believe in lies of the enemy, and, and we're dealing with that a lot because people do go, oh, hey, they're going to be open to this. Right. And then they come here, and they find out that we we believe in, in the biblical worldview of sex and sexuality, mm-hmm. the biblical worldview of marriage mm-hmm. uh, between one man and one woman. And... Uh, I hate turning people away. Right. And I never, when we don't turn them away, but the problem is when you don't affirm certain things, they put the stake in the sand and they go, I'm not going to stay here, you know? Yeah. And it's, that's a hard thing um, because we want everybody to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And yeah. so I see church, the church as a whole trending towards, it, it, there, there's two there's two bad things. There's full acceptance mm-hmm. of things that are unbiblical. Right. And then there's the churches that are harsh and don't want them even anywhere near them. And then there's churches like us who are who are going, look, we don't want you to change us and we don't want to change you because we're not going to change you into what, what needs to be. But you need to be open to Jesus changing us all. Right. And so where are we trending? You know, we're trending, like I said, to a lot of people who had given up on church. Mm-hmm. I, I thought we were... Now, here's what's incredible. In December, six people gave their lives to Christ. Awesome. Um, in January so far, I think two. Wow. And we're starting to see salvations, you know, first-time commitments to Christ happen. Right. Um, but really, it's we're still gathering those people that uh, are what we, could, what we call de-churched. Right. I think that's kind of what our trend is right now. Well, and and I, I agree with you. Our church is uh, making a stand on uh, the uh, what what Christ has taught us, but sharing the love of Him. Right. That's what cha- changes lives. Right. And so I appreciate I appreciate your straightforwardness. And I believe that. Do you not think that our society appreciates more so our 
I wouldn't say bluntness, but we don't try to hide it. Right. We we want to share the truth. We try to make it clear, but in that loving way. So uh, we we do have many denominations who are have slipped away from that. Yes. Right. Well, share with me a little bit about uh, what's your biggest challenges that you face, especially being a bivocational pastor. I, I know there's a lot that goes along with that, and you were telling me about your occupation and uh, as a uh, Uber and a Lyft driver right. and the hours that that leads, and which is not a traditional <laughs> uh, job for a bivocational pastor, yeah. but it gives you other opportunities. But, but what were some challenges that you face? Well, you know, and, and j- just to be worldly about it, I guess, and, and not spiritual minded is when somebody wants to meet with me like today yeah. or a church member, I've got to be offline. So I'm not making my living right now. And that that has been a challenge of trusting God when I've got to do church business right. and I've got to come offline and trusting him to um, make the difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I told you yesterday, my goal as a Lyft and Uber driver is to make $80 a day. Well, I made 200 yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. so God does, and, and that doesn't happen all the time. Right. So I was thanking God on my way home going, yeah. man, God, thank you for doubling, right. more than doubling my goal yeah. today. Um, but it's a challenge to get it all done to, especially as a brand new church, there's, there's so much, there's so much that, that we have to recognize and we're growing at a, at a fairly fast rate. We're going through the stages of infancy yeah. and we're, we're growing up little by little. And so, you know, for the first time the other day, my leadership team was talking about thinking strategically, like let's start thinking strategically about how are we going to get people here? How are we going to empower the people once they are here right. to live out the purpose God has given them? And when I first started the church, I actually had two jobs. So I was working at a boys home, third shift working Monday through Thursday, and then I would Uber Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night, and then do church stuff kind of in now. And I'll tell you what, at the boys' home, the boys were sleeping when I was working. So I wrote a lot of my sermons overnight while I was on the clock at the boys' home. And, (laughs) you know, was able to get a lot of, you know, logistical work done there. But I was able to quit the boys' home and just do Lyft and Uber uh, last January. So for a year, I've been doing doing just the church and Lyft and Uber now. We're trying to get me to a point where I can be full-time at the church. And uh, we're talking about other staff member, you know, by June, we, we've rolled out to the church by June of next year. We'd love to have at least a part-time second employee, right. you know, uh, well, here at the church. And you've done well as a church plant. I mean, basically, you went from, what, May May of this year, I think, uh, I, were, I think you were meeting at, at a, uh, a movie theater, and within the last few months, you've been able right. to actually buy a building. Well, so in, um, we purchased it in July. We purchased this July. property in July, uh, and we were here at this property for a year. Okay. So we're almost okay. two years okay. old now. Okay. We were at the movie. So we started with 20 people yeah. at a coffee shop. Two weeks later, we met at the movie theater for the first time and had 40 people. Yeah. And uh, almost two years later, we're you know, sitting on a property that we are purchasing. Mm-hmm. And trying to get this property up, like the the middle building is pretty much unusable right now. And so 
there, there's a lot of classrooms and office space over there, and we really right. want to get it usable, but it takes a lot of time and money. Sure. And so uh, we, we believe God led us here to this property. We're on a, we're sitting on a city block of property, 30,000 square feet of buildings, um, which as a, as a church of 100, when we purchased it, we were running about 120. That was a huge undertaking. Sure. And it still is. Yeah. Uh, we're running about 160 now, awesome. um, and on on a good Sunday we'll hit 200. Yeah, but uh, on average about 160, and we're still just in this gathering stage of people that are going to help us with maintenance and right. and you know lead the ministries. We we finally have key ministry leaders now, mm-hmm. so it's not just me because before. Uh, I handled marketing with yeah. with website. I handled social media. I made all of our graphics. I made all of our videos. Yeah. I did. You know, when you're a, a pastor starting with nothing, mm-hmm. you do it all. Right. And uh, I, I actually uh, hap not really happily, but um, <laughs> it's really been a great thing. I just gave up graphics. That was one of the last things I was holding on to. Yeah. And the guy that has taken it over has done it excellent job working on making sermon graphics and different things and but you know we started with no help Uh, the Tennessee uh, mission board has gotten involved but when we started man it was just me and my wife cleaned out our bank account we rented the movie theater uh, that first Sunday we had no money no resources and we told the church that day when we met with 40 people in the theater we said hey we don't know where we're going to meet again because we have no money and God actually um that offering that day brought in enough money to rent the theater for eight weeks. Wow. And uh, then we moved over here. The Tennessee mission board has gotten involved since, and yeah. they've, they've, they have supported us and it's been amazing. Yeah. We wouldn't be able to do some of the big outreaches uh, right. be, because of what the, what the mission board has done. We served 1500 people at our trunk or treat this past year. That's great. We had at Easter last year, uh, we had to have two services, and we had almost 400 people um, at Easter. Uh, we've baptized. So next Sunday, we're having another baptism because a, a church in South Carolina just purchased us one of those portable baptisms oh, yeah. because we could only baptize uh, in the summer because we were using a trough. Uh, so because of this church um, give you know buying a baptism for us, we're going to have a baptism Sunday for all the people that didn't get done this summer. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, when we get done with them, we will have uh, baptized about thirty people so far since we started. Awesome. You know, not all of those people got saved here. Some sure. of them, and in fact, what's really neat is some of the people that go to church here. I think about four of them were saved at a old timey tent revival this past summer, yeah. um, hosted by you know like a, a church completely different from us, yeah. like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not like us. Um, but that's awesome yeah. that these people gave their lives to Christ in this old-timey tent revival and then found their way here. They're going to get baptized. or Well, some of them have already been baptized, and one of them is going to get baptized um, this next week. So That's amazing what God's been doing at your church. Now, you've already kind of uh, alluded as well as your experience at camp, but here's my question. How does just taking away people from your church overnight or two nights away somewhere doing a retreat, does that impact your congregation. Well, you know, we we've never done that uh, yet as this church. Um, you know, we're still a baby church. Uh, my wife and I have been able to go away. Uh, another pastor sent us uh, on a weekend retreat to a conference, and there there definitely is 
um, when, when I was a youth um, worship leader mm-hmm. at a church, we did do a retreat up, up in Gatlinburg. Right. Uh, we took our youth band out there. And there, there's just something about getting away from your normal life, mm-hmm. getting away from all the technology, because right. we, we, we were out where internet wasn't working, yeah. just having that time to focus, like going with a, because when you go to a retreat or you go to a camp, you're going with a purpose. Right. You're not just going for vacation. You're going with a purpose to reconnect with God. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's vital to have those times with your church. Now, for us, I found out if we're going to do overnight trips, we got to add to our insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh, really? Seriously? So, like, um, apparently there's stages to insurance. Oh. And he's like, so do you take your youth overnight anywhere? I said, no. He goes, okay, then you won't need that yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Um, but yes, we, we want to, um, not only, uh, get our youth away, but we, um, we want to do that with our adults sure. as well sure. and our leadership team. Even yeah. we've talked about going and getting away for a few days and just listening to God and, right. you know, well, Joel, I really thank you for taking the time to share with us uh, just to how Real Life Church began and, and how it's really been able to really connect uh, and to be able to share people or share the gospel with people in your community. So uh, your story's been great. Uh, I've loved and, and listened to your testimony, and I know our listeners are going to enjoy that too. Just to, just to be able to reflect back even in our own life how God brought all these things together to bring you to where you're at right now. So I appreciate you taking the time and share with us. I'd also like to thank our listening audience today for listening to our podcast. I would love for you to share with us. And uh, if you would like to know more about uh, uh, Joel and about what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you'll look for opportunities to start a gospel conversation with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.